Good morning, Hope Church. It's really good to be with you this morning. As you can see, we are still online. Lockdown has been extended. We are going to continue to put our Sunday messages on. So if they extend it again, we will continue. So we're not going to give a kind of finish date with online. But what we do plan to do is that once we're all able to meet together in the building, we're going to take a break from putting stuff online. When will that happen? I don't know. But we will wait until the next announcement. So Everything will continue on a Sunday as normal. We will release um, our videos uh, and hopefully uh, that will continue to bless you. Let's pray as we start this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you lead us and that you guide us. And this morning we pray, would you speak to us? Would you help us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been looking at how to be a transformative group of people and how we can transform the world around us. But that does mean that we ourselves need to be transformed. And of course, we know that transformation isn't a one-time event. One of the challenges in the last hundred years is the way that we've expressed the gospel. People have been taught that the gospel is a one-time event. You make a one-off decision, you raise your hand, you say a prayer, and it's all done. Now, let me tell you, that is not the gospel. Uh, why is that? Because it doesn't actually create transformation. Now, I know that for some people, a one-off decision makes an amazing transformation. Um, and so I don't want to uh, destroy all of that because I do believe making decisions is important. But this morning, I want to emphasize um, really the importance of ongoing decisions, a decision to live a certain kind of life rather than just make one decision and live the way that you want to. Um, part of this comes out of the fact that many who profess to follow Jesus find that their old life is very much still alive, their sinful habits are still dogging them, and they had this hyped up, I made this decision, I expected everything to change, and there's this real disappointment, and then they kind of live in that disappointment, or worse still, they walk away saying, I've tried Jesus, but he didn't work. It seems like what Jesus promised is a bit of a pipe dream. Well, I want to speak into that this morning. I, I don't want you to be discouraged today because Jesus wants to encourage you. Let me tell you, every promise of Jesus is true, sure, and will come to pass. If it's not real in our experience, then there is something that we still need to understand. So let me talk a little bit, bit about the gospel. We've made the gospel all about forgiveness and not going to hell. And that is not the gospel. It's true, you know, it's extremely true that Jesus forgives us and he gives us a way um, that brings us into heaven and not into hell. But that's the plan of salvation. And the gospel is a bit broader than that. What do I mean by broader? Well, it's not just being saved from something. It is also about being saved to something. And that's often the part that we do not really focus on. And that's something that we're saved to is really important. Another area that brings challenge is that Jesus said that on this earth we will have an abundant life. And when you talk to many believers, their abundance is going to be in the next life, eternity with Jesus in heaven. And when you talk about what's going on here and now on this earth, there doesn't seem to be an abundance. 
Jesus used words like kingdom, power, fruit when talking about his gospel. These words should be part of our daily experience. Jesus's gospel was about a change of behavior. It included a change on the inside that would be reflected on the outside. It was a power that would help us defeat the devil, a power to overcome sin, a power to see miracles and wonders on the earth. Jesus also spoke about a life that would bear fruit, a fruit that at a minimum would be 30 times what Christ had given, all the way, all the way up to 100 times of what he had given. So here's a question. Why is it that so often this is not part of our experience? How is it that we can hear rumors of it? We can read about it in the Bible, but we don't seem to see it in our own lives and experience. I would suggest that what we have done is we have narrowed the truth of the gospel. We have made the gospel just about forgiveness. Now, the term gospel in Greek simply means good news. And then the question comes, what is this good news? Well, I've described aspects of it about the power and the fruit that Jesus speaks about. And then we ask the question, how do we obtain or experience what the gospel promises? Now, to understand this, we need to go back to the beginning of the gospels in the New Testament. We need to start with John the Baptist. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus and his message was this, Matthew 3 verse 2. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now you get to see this dual thing. It's not just repent of your sin, but it's also turn to. There are two actions here and so often our gospel only includes one. This message is one of the kingdom. Which kingdom or whose kingdom? Well, it's about God's kingdom. Jesus stated, or sorry, John the Baptist stated that God's kingdom was coming near. Now, when Jesus comes on the scene, surprise, surprise, his message, his good news is identical to John's. In Mark 1 verse 14 to 15, later on after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. We have so often taught an exclusive gospel of forgiveness. Now, what does Jesus talk about when he talks about his gospel? In Matthew 4.23, it says this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news, that's the gospel, about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Further along in Matthew, in chapter 24, verse 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The good news is all about God's kingdom. That is the gospel. John the Baptist and Jesus said it was drawing near, and through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the kingdom of God is now here. Why is that important? Because the good news, or the gospel as we call it, is that Christ makes it possible for you and I to go and live in his kingdom. 
This was simply not possible before Jesus. Sin kept us out of God's kingdom, but Jesus' sacrifice throws the door wide. The kingdom of God had been a closed door. No one was allowed to enter. But by Jesus offering himself for our sin, he has thrown open the door to all who would believe. So the gospel, the good news, is simply the offer that you and I can go and live in the kingdom of God. It's not an earthly geographic kingdom, although it is on the earth. It is a kingdom that appears in power and glory wherever Christ is believed and made Lord. When we believe in Jesus, we are transported into this kingdom. Colossians 1 verse 13 to 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so we have focused on forgiveness and in doing that we have missed the wider importance of the kingdom. And more importantly, it's not just about understanding the kingdom, but about living in the kingdom of God. And I believe that the reason we so often fail to attain Jesus's promises is because we're trying to live in the world and reap the kingdom's benefits. The world will never give you the kind of life that Jesus promised. It is only obtained in God's kingdom. Jesus himself said that we cannot even see God's kingdom unless we are born again. Faith is essential. Let me read from John chapter 3 verse 1 to 8. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And so the good news is that now the door of the kingdom of God has been opened to us. And the rest of our occupation on earth should be about living in the kingdom. It is here in the kingdom that we find all of Jesus's promises to be true. Living in the kingdom doesn't mean we exit the physical world. Uh, no, the kingdom of God is within us. But as we live the way Jesus lived, as we do the things that he said, we find the power of God's kingdom at work in us. Every miracle of Jesus, of Peter, Paul and other believers were all an expression of God's kingdom power. So the answer today, if you're not experiencing the, the life that you see in the Bible that Jesus promised, it's not about believing harder. It's about learning how to live in God's kingdom. 
Through Jesus we have gained access, but now we need to learn to live in the kingdom. Now there are plenty of biblical illustrations for this. Take the Israelites for example. It was God's act of sovereign grace that freed them from their slavery in Egypt. However, that freedom meant they had to learn how to live with God as their king. And we see sadly recorded that a whole generation died in the desert because they refused to have God as their king. Or read the Old Testament narratives. Leviticus and Deuteronomy are all about how to live with God. There are behavioural and moral changes that need to occur. And Jesus' message was no different. His Sermon on the Mount is all about change. Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He was contrasting today's kingdom with God's kingdom. This is what you've heard. This is what I'm telling you, you need to do now. Now, make no mistake, this is not easy. The devil will ensure that, it, that it's as hard as it can be, either through persecution or through the need to exercise self-control. The entire New Testament, its narratives and its letters are all about living in the kingdom, showing us how to live in the kingdom. Now, it's also clear that we cannot serve two masters. You cannot live in the world's kingdom by its values and principles and in God's kingdom. You have to make a choice. And although we've made uh, the salvation a choice about forgiveness of sin, which is vitally important, there needs to be a follow-on that we choose to live in God's kingdom. I think this is where a whole swathe of Christians have lost their way. And it hasn't helped them that sometimes in the church it's been taught that it's okay to live by the world's standards. Jesus says, no, it's not. You cannot practice the ways of the world and expect to live in God's kingdom. Now, I've highlighted that living in the kingdom is no easy task. So why would anyone make the effort to do so? Well, let's ask the question, what is God's kingdom like? We've said it's full of fruit, spiritual fruit, it's full of spiritual power, and it's also full of God's spiritual laws. These three are in a class so above the world that the world cannot comprehend them. They just see that true believers live in those principles and they marvel or foam at the mouth at the amazing lifestyle that has been exhibited. The fruit of things like joy and peace are equaled nowhere in the world. And yet throughout history, they have been demonstrated by believers in concentration camps, by believers facing severe loss, and by believers in the most trying of times. The power of God can multiply food. It can raise the dead, heal the sick. It can protect from harm, just to mention a few examples. And the laws of God's kingdom will always win. Laws such as giving to the poor, loving your neighbour or your enemy, blessing and not cursing. Now these laws can't be grasped by the world, but let me tell you, these laws will always work. There are other laws such as you reap what you sow. The world's kingdom cannot circumvent these laws and we would be wise to build our lives on them in the kingdom. Living in the kingdom is also living with Jesus 
as our king. Living in the kingdom is a taste of heaven. It's a model for the world. It's a testimony to the world. It's the hope for the world. And it's a matter of power and not of talk. As I conclude this morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you living in the kingdom of God? If not, the good news is that you can. You need to make a decision. If you're a believer, where are you living now? Is it in God's kingdom or are you trying to accomplish it by living in the world? If you're trying to do it in the world, it's going to lead to disappointment and failure. The gospel is more than a simple prayer. But a simple prayer is also extremely powerful. And a simple prayer can set us on a journey that changes and transforms our whole life. But it needs to be the starting point, not the end point of our relationship with Jesus. And so today Jesus offers us access to his kingdom. I want to invite you afresh this morning. Live in the kingdom. Make a decision to turn your back on the world and live in the kingdom. And in the weeks ahead, I'm going to try and unpack a bit what that means and the different things that are taught in the scripture about how we live in the kingdom. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you love us. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Father, we pray today. We pray that you would help us to be those who live in the kingdom. And I pray for any watching who don't know you, who might have been challenged about living in God's kingdom. Father, I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would show them the way to enter into your kingdom by being born again. And so, Lord, we thank you. We bless you. And we ask that you would walk with us today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If we can be of any help, then please do get into touch with us. If you go onto our website, there's a contact form. Do get in touch and we would be uh, more than willing to help you in any way that we can. God bless you and have a really great day.